Danielle, thank you. Before I begin today, I want to say a word about the news that came out today relative to the economy. Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. Today, we received news that our economy had zero percent inflation in the month of July. say when they first saw it they thought their home the homeowner was just doing some upgrades to his front yard but then they saw the design that was taking shape here and they couldn't believe it now I just chatted with a homeowner who said he just thinks it's a cool design and has no intention of removing it I've been thinking about it ever since I know you know realized what it actually was <laughs> it makes me feel really, really bad. It represents me not having to pull weeds over that in that part of my yard. That's what it represents to me. Homeowner Steve Johnson told our crew yesterday it's not a swastika at all. It's a Tibetan uh, sign that's way back before, uh, you know, swastikas was even invented. But neighbors don't buy it. The sticker on Johnson's motorcycle also looks very much like the Nazi emblem. We as a county entity don't have the ability to tell him to remove. Contra Costa County Supervisor John Joya says the county's hands are tied, but urges people to speak out against what's seen as a symbol of hate. When asked if he was Tibetan, he said, I could be. Are you Tibetan? I could be. Renee Schultz is Johnson's Jewish neighbor. Do you find it offensive? Yes. On behalf of 800 million Jews that died with that Yes, absolutely. Many living on this street are quite simply speechless. I own this house and I can put what the hell I want in my front yard. It's none of you guys' business. So get the hell off my property. Drastic before and after pictures, vandals twisting PVC pipe into a twisted message of hate. A Chandler family finding their menorah transformed into a swastika this morning. But this family and the community already taking action. ABC 15's Megan Thompson live near Chandler and McClintock. That's exactly right, Faye and Nick. You know, word traveled fast on social media when the homeowner posted those dramatic before and after pictures, getting shared about 1,300 times. And take a look at the crowd that is still out here right now after they had relit that menorah. Dozens and dozens of people showing up for this event. Now, Seth Ellis, he spent the day rebuilding the menorah that you see for this ceremony tonight, relighting the candles, singing songs, and speaking about bringing light to all the world. Many of the people we spoke to in the crowd say they felt like they needed to be here tonight. One woman says the one positive thing coming from this was that it started a conversation as hard as it may be. We can show people, no, really, that's not how you behave. Like, you love people no matter what, and, you know, we can believe different things, we can look different, but we can still all get along and we can still be friends and so be a community. As for who's responsible for this, no one knows, but some people in the crowd upset tonight that Chandler police are not investigating this as a hate crime for now. They're looking at it as a trespassing charge, but regardless, they want to say who is responsible. They want to see them to justice. Back to you. 
It's time to stop talking about anti-Semitism. The word has lost its meaning. Call someone an anti-Semite today and people will respond with a shrug, an eye roll. No one is embarrassed anymore when they're called an anti-Semite. Anti-Semitism must be called what it really is, Jew hatred. If you attack Jewish students on campus, you're a Jew hater. If you say Israel shouldn't exist, you're a Jew hater. Calling it what it really is, that's how we'll start to defeat it. Let's stop calling it anti-Semitism when it really is Jew hatred. Share this video if you believe in calling this evil by its real name, Jew hatred. white without telling me you white all right i got something for this Damn! ain't no way <laughs> hey everybody hope you're doing well good to see you again this uh, wednesday it's august uh, 10th hope you're doing well it's always a pleasure being here with you uh, we are a bit late in gate today but uh, i blame that on uh, odyssey uh, very sluggish, slow to start up today. I think it's running fine over there, so uh, welcome. Uh, if you are joining us on Odyssey, maybe you're watching through Rumble uh, or our websites, redice.tv, redicemembers.com. We also go out to Twitter, Float, DLive, a number of other places. What am I forgetting? VK. So you do have options. I hear some of you have uh, issues with the DLive overlay. So I said this, try to open it in a new window. Go to like DLive.tv. If any of you watch over there, but it's through Entropy, right? So if you want to watch there, uh, go to dlive.tv forward slash red eyes TV and see if you can approve that dialogue box. It's some new terms of service, uh, you know, approval thing you have to do and then refresh entropy. See if that works. If that doesn't work, try watching uh, somewhere else. Anyway, we appreciate you joining us, guys. Uh, lots to get into today. New things have happened. New developments. Uh, some just comically uh, hilarious uh, crap that we got to talk about. Uh, it is uh, the madness continues. Uh, who knew? I thought it would. Uh, I would. I thought it would have stopped by this time. Uh, you know, but uh, apparently it doesn't. It just continues. So we'll talk about the IRS issue. We'll talk about the raid. Uh, well, it, it wasn't. It, it isn't a raid. It was. It was just uh, law. Law and order. That's what it was. It wasn't even a raid on uh, Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago mansion down there and we'll also talk about what the kind of uh, uh, what the hook with all that might be or how it could be used interesting discussion to be had there i think uh then we have some random stuff a little bit later in the show a little bit uh, some of the stories we didn't uh, get to last time some new developments as well have happened in regards to the alex jones uh well really really what they're going to try to do in the wake of the alex jones uh, trial which has been completely uh, crazy Right. All right. Anyway, so guys, let's just dive into this. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, if you do want to join us, though, entropystream.live slash TV. That's uh, one way you can do it. Odyssey and Rumble is open for Super Chats as well. And I will uh, do uh, my best here to keep an eye on that during the show. I'll do uh, regular check-ins on that uh, so we don't get too delayed or, or uh, be left behind, I should say, with the uh, Super Chat who might be in context of some of the shows uh, topics we're going to talk about during the show here today. Uh, first, though, first things first, uh, you definitely have to check out the latest Weekend Warrior show uh, where we, uh, for once and for all, we solve the uh, Christian versus pagan debate in that show. Uh, 100%. Uh, and, and I'm talking about the not the fake, you know, fake Christians or fake pagans for that matter, too. 
basically religion first or Europeans first? Well, check this episode and we'll solve it for you, okay? RedEyesMembers.com, get a membership over there. It's only 10 bucks a month. You can sign up on Subscribestar. You can sign up on Entropy. We have a cash app, e-check option, crypto, tons of different ways uh, that still works very, very well. We appreciate it. Good show. One of our best ones, I think, in uh, some time, to be honest. We spent some time on that topic and uh, kind of really uh, laid that one out for you guys. Could be interesting for those who want uh, uh, unity as opposed to just uh, crushing uh, infighting, right, among white people. All right. And I should say, uh, caveat too, for, for those who are actually pro-white Christians, I should say. that's Otherwise, if you're anti-European, that's really not a discussion for you. Uh, that debate is settled. But if you are pro-white and Christian, uh, I think we got something for you in that show uh, that you can, uh, you, can, you, can, you can meet us halfway. Let me put it that way. All right. So, guys, let's begin with the with the raid that wasn't at all a raid. It turns out it was there was no one being raided, right? There was no one being raided. He uh, claimed his was it the fifth, I think, right now. Uh, Trump did. I mean, he, he was uh, where did that go? There it is. Trump takes the Fifth Amendment in New York Attorney General's investigation. So he's being uh, reamed up in New York, I guess, as well. But the first one he will start with was, of course, in Florida, right? The raiding of the Mar-a-Lago residence down there. And uh, the media was hard at work trying to put down that this wasn't it wasn't really a raid at all. What even is a raid? I don't know. Listen to this. We keep hearing a lot of people call what the FBI did at Mar-a-Lago a raid. But for fact's sake, here's the deal. Law enforcement doesn't even use the term raid. So what actually happened? The Justice Department applied for and got a court-authorized search warrant that gave them lawful authority to enter Trump's home. That was consistent with the Fourth Amendment probable cause requirement and allowed agents to seize items as permitted by the judge and as outlined in the warrant. Words matter. And calling a court-authorized search a raid suggests some sort of degree of aggression and lawlessness that is simply inconsistent with the facts and the law. And those are the facts. Chuck, do I have that right? You got that right. I want our audience to understand. Nobody was banging down any doors. Nobody was answering a door in their underwear, shaken from bed. None of that happened. It was law and order. And that's what happened. There we go. That's the, this is the, uh, the channel that's known for uh, law and order. It's uh, mostly a, a peaceful protest. Uh, fires have been started, right? That's, uh, <laughs> that's MSNBC for the, the law and order channel. So it's totally lawful. It was. This wasn't a raid. What if it is a raid? Let's change the definition in the dictionaries, right? Isn't this how it goes? The Wikipedia page for raid have been locked and edited uh, three thousand thousand times the last like four four hours just to like make sure that everyone understands what this is, right? Uh, of course, the FBI former, I guess, but you know these intelligence they're never former CIA or never former CIA agents, including. FBI, right? But uh, all, all our favorite, right? The guy who wants to entrap young white guys, Frank Fugliucci, down in, uh, what is it, Arizona somewhere. He also went on MSNBC uh, to talk about how this was totally not a raid. And then you can see down in the Chiron or the lower third, the text, they update that as he speaks about it in order to cater to this, uh, intel as we know, it's basically intelligence services that's running uh, this is running the media at this stage, right? Uh, listen to what he said here and, and, and pay attention down below in the text as that changes. Um, agents, by the way, don't like the word raid. They don't like it. It sounds like it's some kind of, you know, extrajudicial, non-legal thing. It's the execution of a search warrant. It's a court 
authorized search warrant. I'm sure we're now going to be in for days of ranting and raving. Even at CPAC over the weekend, there was a congressman from Arizona who called for the defunding of the FBI before this even happened. So we're in for more of that. I'm sure they're hunkering down for that. But the word raid, they don't like it. They, they want to say they executed a search warrant, all of that going on, meticulous <clears throat> searching. Um, even, you know, I, I, I've seen situations where devices, electronic devices, thumb drives are being searched for, and they actually have dogs. I'm not saying that dogs are being used, but if we see dogs um, as part of this team, it, it would be a clue that they're possibly searching for thumb drives and other electronic devices. Yeah, I was going to so, ask you. There you see it. Uh, in real time, right? That's how you do it. You whip the media in place. Whoosh, in real time, you get them to change it. That's how propaganda works. That's how the intelligence services runs the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's incredible to see. Uh, that's how. That's how it's. That's how it's done right there. Good stuff. So, of course, this the the uh, you know the kvetching on the other side here. And as you know, this show we're not super uh, pro uh, Trump here anymore. We he had his chance. He did his thing. But uh, regardless, this is still, of course, uh, absolutely un unacceptable. Uh, outrageous, ridiculous, I mean, incredibly uh, just uh, d d disgusting. I mean, d d <laughs> to, to do it this way. And for, I think Trump said this too. No one has ever been raided this way, right? And so let's remind you. Actually, let's do this one first. Uh, if I can find my right, uh, my right cursor here. Uh, we had the judge. Let's begin there. The judge that actually approved this, uh, who okayed the Mar-a-Lago raid, uh, not only an Obama donor, but uh, linked to Jeffrey Epstein as, right, as well. That's right. This is uh, this is good stuff here, right? What more can you ask for uh, than a pedophile judge? And this is how the, this is how you yank their chain, pull their string, you tighten the leash. The Florida federal magistrate judge who signed off on a search warrant or authorizing the FBI raid, which which it wasn't. Was no no it wasn't. No one opened their door in their underwear, so it's all fine. No one broke down any doors. What was it? They uh, busted open his safe and stuff, I heard. Anyway, um, anyway. so those, the guy who authorized the FBI raid of uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort donated to Barack Obama's 2008 presidential campaign months after he left the local U.S. attorney's office to representative uh, to, or to rep employees of convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, who had received immunity in the long-running sex trafficking investigation of the financier. Pedophile, in other words. And, of course, it was uh, Acosta. What was his first name again? The uh, attorney general, uh, general in Florida who gave Epstein that uh, sweetheart deal, as they call it. Could go and come out of prison as he wanted. And, of course, he'd been told that he was intelligence. See how this works? It's intelligence, it's media, it's judges, it's the legal system, it's FBI, and now it's IRS. We'll get to that later. Uh, it's all one big click, right? Sources tell the New York Post that Judge Bruce Reinhardt, is that the one, the one, <laughs> the one, the one guy with that name they could find? Bruce Reinhardt approved the warrant that enabled federal agents to co uh, converge on the palatial South Florida estate on Monday in what Trump called an unannounced raid on my home. Reinhardt was elevated to magistrate judge in March 2018 after 10 years in, a, in a private practice. That November, the Miami Herald report uh, reported that he had represented several of Epstein's employees, including, by Reinhardt's own admission to the outlet, Epstein's pilots, his schedule, scheduler Sarah Kellen, 
that's uh, yeah, she was pretty high profile, I think, in that, wasn't she? Uh, and Nadia Marsinkova, who Epstein once reportedly described as a Yugoslavian sex slave. Yeah, he loved uh, he loved those Eastern Europeans. Uh, this guy, remember? Kellen and Marsinkova were among Epstein's lieutenants who were granted immunity as part of a controversial 2007 deal with federal prosecutors that allowed the perverted. Uh, the perverts to plead guilty to state charges rather than federal crimes. Epstein uh, wound up serving just 13 months in county jail and was granted work release. That's right. It was a sweetheart deal. But you get the point. So th- these are the people that they yanked the chain of. And, of course, people were uh, sharing some clips here of what happened uh, What happened last time. Someone actually destroyed evidence. Someone actually destroyed uh, hard drives and stuff, right? Acid-washed uh, servers, Removed all the emails, right? <laughs> Destroyed devices with hammers. Uh, there was no raid by the FBI. Check this out. Somebody who is absolutely disqualified from becoming president. They destroyed blackberries with hammers in the State Department. That's not what won the presidency. Actually, and Evan, by the way, Evan, Evan, no, Evan, hold on. The way, can you fact check that? Hang on, that hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Evan Perez, hammers, fact check that for me, please, on the fly. Uh, yes, they did, Brooke. Uh, as so. as, uh, <laughs> as did. you mentioned, there were uh, 13 devices, mobile devices, and five iPads that uh, the FBI said that you know, in some way, were used with with her private email server. And they did, in some cases, just destroy them with hammers when they were done using them. She said, That's a she pretty forgot- good way of destroying. All right, you get the point. So even even they couldn't back even they couldn't uh, lie about this one on CNN. Fascinating how that works, right? So I don't know. I don't remember any raid on Hillary Clinton's uh, uh, stuff. I mean, obviously, like these people were uh, uh, were guilty of covering stuff up and like handling awful like security issues with sensitive uh, and top secret information, right? Remember, she had set up some private uh, email server and stuff. Anyway, whole mess, right? Uh, the point is that they're going after this guy. So anyway, now, basically in the wake of this, now we're going to have uh, terrorists, right, as a consequence of this. Uh, because they did this raid, of course, a lot of more kind of credibility really has been lent to Trump and his uh, 2024 campaign. Yeah, he's running again, in case you were under a rock. Um, and as we said before, he, he had his shot. He... Um, it was it was it was a fun campaign in 2016. It was a good time. Uh, a lot of people working together for that, and it was exciting. And you know, he had a sh- chance. They had uh, both uh, both the House and the Senate, and basically, uh, meh, nothing happened. They moved the embassy, though. That's you know, that's great. They moved the U.S. embassy to uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Right. That was that was one of the big developments there. Uh, the uh, the King of Israel, Donald Trump, is going to be running again. So I'm not uh, not too uh, excited about this. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're, the progressives and the leftists are hysterical enough to still try to want to destroy his campaign. And chances are that they're just, they will actually not concede the White House if he does win. Uh, and again, I can, I'm kind of like meh about the whole thing. But uh, anyway, it's going to be a heck of a circus to watch. And uh, sometimes that's kind of fun uh, to watch. But uh, yeah, check out this other clip here from MSNBC. As they're saying now that because this raid was done and because of the rhetoric now on the opposition side, right? So all the MAGA people and they're now they're sweeping QAnon into this. And that might be a, a reason why they're doing that too, by the way. Talk more about that in a bit. Uh, but that's going to trigger terrorism on par with uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. Remember Timothy McVeigh? And of course, that's another basically gay op. I mean, for those who are not aware of that, there's some great... Uh, Great uh, documentaries out there. Check out uh, something like A Noble Lie. We interviewed the filmmakers of that on the show uh, years ago now. 
uh, about the fraud, essentially, or the, the the false flag that gave up around Oklahoma Oklahoma City bombing. But regardless, that's that's on the side of the discussion. The point is they they're not say, saying that white people, white terrorists, is going to start bombing buildings because of this raid. Listen to uh, this here. Dana, one of the, the sort of key theories in your book, The Destructionist, is talking about the fact that, you know, you trace this back to Newt Gingrich. You trace this back to the contract with America. That is where the beginning of the Republican Party sort of going off the rails begins. With that in mind, it's been almost 30 years since we saw that sort of transformation. What do you think is a potential worst case scenario here? You know, in, in August of, of 2018, two years into the Trump administration, he was tweeting about how he wanted Jeff Sessions to stop the witch hunt. He has now shown himself capable of literally raising a terrorist army to attack the Capitol. Do you think that this raid on his home will lead to domestic violence, domestic terror, or any other sort of violent reaction as he claims that he's been violated in his home? Well, Jason, God willing, it won't, but that is exactly uh, the concern right now. And if you look at, uh, to go back to the 90s, as, as you just were, uh, before the Oklahoma City bombing, there was a whole lot of things building up to that, a lot of smaller uh, skirmishes and incidents, and a whole lot of heated rhetoric coming from uh, Republican uh, lawmakers, from conservative talk radio at the time. Uh, and it got heated and more heated, uh, and then we had that uh, catastrophic event. Uh, I, I think some people who follow these things closely are worried that we've been building towards uh, just such a moment right now uh, with the rising amount uh, of violence we've seen from uh, right-wing domestic terrorists who are uh, the lion's share of uh, domestic terrorism right now. Uh, so that is a very real concern, uh, and, but I think a lot of it will uh, hinge on uh, the reaction uh, Trump has. Is he going to sick his, uh, his army of uh, Proud Boys and Oath Keepers on the United States government again? And... <laughs> <laughs> what happens all right man with uh his potential rivals and elected republicans in congress do they join in this uh anti-government fervor <laughs> do they that's the big question now how much terrorism is going to happen in, in the wake of this right uh it's pretty credible incredible i mean uh Quebec, thank you for the uh fire up uh, icon there over on odyssey appreciate that uh yeah so the local media and uh, national media as well is covering this and of course they're Literally one of these, again, when they're all reading from the same song sheets or singing from it, I guess uh, the saying goes. Uh, they're all saying the same things, using the same words, the same groups tied, out, tied into it. Again, this is how you centrally coordinate a media narrative using this. It's almost like because we'll see what happens, but, right? Because it was been discussion. Well, what did the FBI agents actually, what were they looking for? How you know what, top secret? How top secret was the material? There was discussion over, well, he had uh, not stored documents uh, correctly or something like that. It was a question around. I think the number I heard was fifteen thousand documents that Trump had, and this is not a violation of the law. There are former president that still have you know top secret material and things like this, right? So it's not out of the ordinary. But they're trying to kind of claim that it is. But it's interesting how this you know how you kind of. When you get into the Hegelian dialect of, of of how you need to play both sides to kind of energize the the, the country, right? And if you do try to create more uh, chaos around this, right? Well, then you need uh, events like this. You need to strengthen the other group, right? And the reason why I'm saying that is, uh, and we'll talk more about that later. But his, you know, his campaign kind of a campaign style video was posted in the wake of this too. I'm not sure how long that took them to make, but it was very quick. It was like out, I think, the following day or something. Uh, anyway, point is here. Look, look at the disgusting behavior of the media as well, and how they coordinate this. 
Here's from a kind of supercut from a few different places. Look at this. Tell ABC News there's been a strong reaction to the raid on extremists and QAnon-related forums. Sources say there's been a strong reaction to the raid on extremists and QAnon-related forums. Sources also telling ABC News there's been a strong reaction from some extreme groups online, including QAnon and other groups. There's been a strong reaction to the raid on extremists and QAnon-related forums. Including those that were active before January 6th. Including those that were active prior to January 6th. Including those that were active prior to January 6th. Involved in the January 6th insurrection. Including those that were active prior to the January 6th riot. Some have been calling for violence and even a civil war. Some of them include calls <laughs> Hey, that's you guys, right? For violence and even a civil war. I mean, I mean, not you guys in chat. I'm talking about the, me the media is doing this, right? They're the ones rowling all this shit up. Some of them include calls for violence in online forums and even civil war. This was the top comment on the search on the pro-Trump site, The Donald, last night. Quote, Lock and load with references to a civil war. Talking very violently about civil war. Searches for civil war spikes. They're talking about civil war. Civil war. Civil war. Civil war. Civil war. Civil war. This is the kind of violent. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, totally organic, not astroturfed, 100% uh, grassroots kind of discussions in the media around this, right? It's almost like it's almost like they want to create a narrative around this. So anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll see what more information comes out uh, to kind of figure out how serious this is. Maybe there's some latest breaking stuff today that I haven't seen yet in terms of what the documents were that they were looking for, but it seems very huge, like overreaction to something which I think they could have solved um, more delicately or more uh, peacefully, I guess, for the lack of a better term. So anyway, it's always interesting. It's kind of interesting to see how they ramp this up. But yeah, so he pleaded the fifth here. Now, I don't know if this this is a separate thing here, right? Former President Donald Trump declined to answer questions under oath from the New York State Attorney's General Office on Wednesday invoking his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. The long-running civil investigation led by State Attorney General Letitia James. Who was that again? Did we not look that up? That rings a bell. Let me just see if I can find anything about her real quick. Was she the... Uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, she's another lunatic. She's probably uh, vehemently anti-white, if, uh, if I could guess so. Yeah, there was something with her. We talked about that at some point. Here's Letitia James here. We talked about her uh, at some point. Her, her face... Uh, <laughs> Her face rings a bell if that's <laughs> if that's the that's a wording, uh, but anyway, not not about that. I want to uh, see what this have to say here. Uh, invest uh, involves allegations that Trump's company, the Trump Organization, misstated the value of priced assessed uh, assets like golf courses and skyscrapers, misleading lenders and tax authorities. The Associated Press reports. Yeah, so they're trying to get to his tax returns. It's kind of like we're back in. 2016 again and i guess technically if he's going to run again in 2024 next year will be like 2015 if you know what i mean that'll be like the lead up to the campaign again and all that stuff and if he, it feels like we're just in a circus at this point i mean nothing's going to happen i think if this guy gets in will be fun to watch that show a little bit yeah a little bit maybe probably um but nothing's going to happen it's not going to be a big change if he comes he had that chance already he had that chance and he squandered it and uh, he, he did uh, as much as possible for Israel and that was that, right? Anyway, check out this goody, goody clip here, old, old good clip from uh, Ron Paul back in 1988. 
talking about the FBI, right, and even the CIA, the, the validity of these institutions and organizations and how much worse it is uh, with these and how fairly recent they are, too, even in American history, right? I mean, the uh, CIA that was like created after the Second World War was OSS at that point, and then it was reshaped and reformed into uh, the CIA, FBI, very similarly in terms of the length that has been around. Uh, but uh, they, these, these organizations need to be, I mean, completely dismantled, right? Uh, even the Department of Justice, uh, the FBI, the CIA, uh, the IRS, as we'll talk about later, too. I mean, these are the, these are being weaponized against political enemies and anybody they don't like. And so, you see, so they kind of set the bar somewhat high, I guess, by going after Trump, by going after these people and, you know, at the very top. And then, you know, they try to classify the Republican Party kind of as a white supremacy terrorist organization. And if they pull something like that off, if, imagine actual nationalistic groups and organizations, how they're going to be roped into this, right? Anyway, this is what uh, Ron Paul said back in 1988. Uh, you know, most of our history, we didn't didn't have those institutions. The FBI came in uh, during the First World War and Interestingly enough, one thing that Woodrow Wilson did, he used the FBI to spy on American citizens and actually arrest them if they disagreed with his foreign policy about going to war in Europe. And isn't it interesting how recent they used it in the Vietnam era? Democrats used it there. Republicans used the FBI to spy on a hundred different groups in this country, including the churches who disagree with the policy in uh, Central America. It almost looks like the FBI was designed to spy on Americans who might be disagreeing uh, with policy, especially the foreign policy. So the FBI, although I don't think I can condemn everything they've ever done, because I'm sure uh, some of the investigations and investigation of crime... Remember that story with the FBI and uh, the pedophile charges against uh, Larry Nassar, the uh, gymnast U.S. gymnastics uh, team leader. Remember that guy with the coach? Uh, when the FBI agents were slated to investigate that and go after them, actually asked to join Larry Nassar for a job. <laughs> Remember that story? They, they're literally like they're, they're the, the defenders of pedophiles and terrorists. They do flaw, false flag. They do sting operations. It's literally one of the worst institutions in all of America right now, the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Uh, has been beneficial, but that could be accomplished through Justice Department within our states. We wouldn't reject that uh, portion of it. But I think the, the FBI has uh, kept and continues to keep a lot of records on a lot of individuals. Yes. The CIA has only been here since 1947. Their record is lousy. I mean, just think of the CIA used by the Democratic uh, administration to murder. Yeah, good, uh, good, wise um, words from uh, Paul. If it, imagine if he got in, and uh, when, when did he run again? Two thousand eight was that the was that or, same time as Obama came in, wasn't it? Or was it his second term? I forget when it was, but uh, anyway, yeah. Base, good old uh, Ron Paul. Uh, his uh, son Rand is, is not as good, but he's definitely been decent on uh, some issues here too, right? All right, so I wanted to play. Let me play that video here real quick and see what they how they're lying and spinning about this on. Uh, MSNBC regarding uh, the case in New York here. Former President Trump in a new statement says he pleaded the Fifth Amendment today at the New York Attorney General's office. Back with us is NBC News Justice and Intelligence correspondent Ken Delanian. Ken, so what uh, do we know about this uh, deposition that the former president had just moments ago? 
So Trump has issued a pretty lengthy statement that obviously was written well in advance, Jose, where he lays out his reasons for taking the Fifth Amendment. And, and, he, and he acknowledges that he once said, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? He also said the mob takes the Fifth. That was back in 2016. Well, he took the Fifth today, refused to answer questions, he's telling us, um, because he, he believes that uh, this investigation by the new york state attorney general a democrat is illegitimate is a witch hunt he spent paragraph after paragraph attacking uh state ag letitia james who in fairness has criticized donald trump pretty vociferously before she launched this oh even that they had to come see it on yeah she she's kind of not the most objective but oh well uh, it's all good investigation um but it's important to point out here jose that Every time Letitia James has gone to court in this case and sought things, whether it's testimony or documents from the Trump organization, judges have ruled in her favor. In fact, judges held Donald Trump in contempt of court for his refusal to turn over documents in this case, and they required that he and his children give these sworn depositions. But um, this answers the mystery. You know, we were talking at the top of the hour. One of Donald Trump's children, Eric Trump, had taken the fifth in this case. But Ivanka Trump and Don Jr. testified a few weeks ago, and we were told they did answer questions. But the former president has decided there's too much legal jeopardy. I'll just read a little bit more of what he said. He said, when your family, your company, and all the people in your orbit have become targets of an unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and the fake news media, you have no choice. And he said that the raid on Mar-a-Lago cemented in his mind that he really shouldn't be cooperating with any investigation. You know, Jose, uh, criminal defendants often talk this way. He's not a criminal defendant in this case. He's a civil defendant. But people under investigation uh, often speak this way. The difference is that millions of people across the country, uh, as we know from personal experience, are going to believe every word that Donald Trump says, even despite the fact that the courts have found this was a perfectly legitimate civil fraud investigation, Jose. Oh, well. All right, blah, 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 bullshit. Uh, anyway, the point is that they're going after him, and they're doing it in such a way uh, that I think they'll be able to rope up any kind of opposition, really, uh, on the right. That remains to be seen, or if they're only going after Trump. But uh, again, I, th- I think this extends uh, far beyond that, and I think this is about basically criminalizing and uh, and outlawing uh, the, the opposition to these uh, liberal uh, progressive uh, you know <laughs> lunatics basically on the other side uh, of the fence still still part of the Hegelian dialectic yeah, yeah obviously right so here's this kind of response that Trump posted and I'm not sure how long in between this was but it looks like they kind of had maybe some things already to go I'm not saying they knew that this was going to happen but it was it was a very short time and of course you could throw this together right uh, but listen to uh, this little video here. And uh, yes, exactly. As uh, <laughs> where did the comic go here? As uh, Midnight Sun says on Odyssey. But Henrik, if Trump doesn't come back, we'll lose out on opportunity zones, record black unemployment, and Israel as our greatest ally. That's right. I think uh, I think the Democrats will be able to uh, hopefully uphold all of those too, because of course those are uh, the most important uh, values of ours right now. Uh, check out this uh, <laughs> check out this uh, video here. And uh, we'll, um, yeah, okay, here it is. We are a nation in decline. He's, okay, let me say this. <laughs> okay, so he's going to be pushed as like the savior of America, right? That, that's basically what's going to happen here. He's going to be pushed with like, he's going to solve all these issues and look at Biden and his gas price. When we had Trump, it was low gas prices. It was so great. The economy was doing great. He's going to come in and he's going to fix it all for us, right? So he's kind of being sold kind of like as a savior, as a messiah of sorts. Okay, back to this video. 
We are a failing nation. that has the highest inflation in over 40 years, where the stock market just finished the worst first half of a year in more than five decades. We are a nation that has the highest energy cost in its history, and we are no longer energy independent or energy dominant, which we were just two short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia for oil. We are a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers, American citizens, and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment in the world. We are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people, and it will only get worse. We're a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party like never before. We've never seen anything like this. We're a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is about all you get. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant like never before, where the economy has been collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon and China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars it's taken from the United States to build a military to rival our own. We are a nation that over the past two years is no longer respected or listened to all around the world. And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty and freedom and faith. We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every list. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke. Now that's but true. soon we will have greatness again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot beat. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield ever, ever, ever. We will never give in. We will never give up. And we will never, ever back down. We will never let you down. As long as we are confident and you know. The tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a little chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and God alone. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, my God. So emotional. I don't know. So, yeah. So, okay. So, that's how they're uh, pushing it. The best is yet to come. That's right. Those four, uh, four first. Years. No, that's, now it's for real. Now we're really do. Now he's going to drain the swamp, right? Now he'll do all these things. Uh, and so someone did, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> an um, analysis. Uh, what is it called? Shazam is it called? The app, right? Uh, 
of the uh, music uh, that he's using? This is the music he's using. It's like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot beat. There is no victory we cannot have. Richard Feelgood, Silver Cloud, with the uh, song is called Where We Go One, We Go All. And so this is, uh, of course, the... Uh, uh, the QAnon, is it not? That's the QAnon uh, kind of uh, track, Military right? Equipment let, me, in the world. let me lower that. There we go. Yes, I think, uh, or the, but it's one of them. That's what I'm saying. This one here, right? It's up on uh, YouTube. Uh, so he's using, so, you know, so that's the subliminal kind of stuff here that it's like, the you know, he might not have, I don't think he did kind of dismiss QAnon, did he, at the time? He was saying something, which was kind of funny. Granted, it was a good response. It was some, what was it? The <laughs> you saying he was like, these people believe it's a pedophile cabal out there, and and of course some of the things they say is 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 accurate. It's true. It's not that, but I'm saying, you know, it's kind of been a little psyop around all this, right? Some people think it's intelligence running this uh, QAnon thing and and whatnot. But anyway. And they're saying you, Trump, is going to be, um, you know, you're going to defeat this network of evil uh, pedophiles. <laughs> and Trump was like, so is that a bad thing? Is <laughs> you, you want this network of pedophiles around and raping kids? Yes. You think that's good? So it was a fun and good uh, response. But the point is, ah, they're playing a little bit on this. If you look at the uh, music they use. So uh, kudos to whoever founded that, because I didn't uh, think of uh, doing that, right? Uh, let me see here. Is what are the it, I sell feet pics? Great, uh, is a fantastic username by the way. Uh, over on <laughs> Entropy, uh, says, "Hey guys, love the show. Introduce this uh, broadcast to my super-based Romanian boss. He loves it. The message spreads up in Canada. We are not all tranny leftist cucks up here. Well, thank you. That's uh, good to know. And uh, absolutely, and we know that too. There's a lot of good people in the the Great White North up in Canada." A lot of listeners and uh, viewers up there, so uh, thank you for checking in and thank you for the support. Appreciate that. Thank you for spreading the word as well, of course, uh, about the show. Always uh, appreciate it. Okay, so let's get into. So anyway, we'll you know the point is we'll see how they play this thing with Trump. But uh, again, signs to look at. And someone did what was it? The raid again? Eight eight twenty two. This is I, I, I'm not you know I used to be more into this or th you know kind of interesting studying this or whatever. But it's ended up a little bit on the back burner. But there are people out there doing so-called uh, gematria or gematria gematria right number. Uh, how do I explain it? Uh, translating words into numbers, and then what does those, those number mean? Right? People do it in English. They do it in Hebrew. There's okay. There's uh, you know kind of Kabbalistic gematria. There's English ones. Blah blah blah. Anyway, uh, eight twenty two was like Trump and Messiah and Savior or something like that. Right? So it was like people are kind of looking at this and saying that this is like a multi-pronged uh, kind of psyop in a way, basically like alluding to that they're playing this intentionally. Is there something to that? I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence, but it's just one of those things. It's kind of interesting, right? So anyway, the the, the signs and signals here to look out for is basically Trump is a messiah. Trump is a savior. He's going to come back again, and now he's going to uh, you know rescue America right as it's teetering on the abyss, right? I mean, energy prices, uh, sh shortages, and all that stuff. And the question is, is that just a temporary distraction, or is there something actually to this? I don't know. You make up your mind about that. All right, so anyway, over to the IRS thing here, where basically... 
Uh, they're going all in here now, right? Uh, complete madness and lunacy. And in fact, actually, we can begin with this uh, headline here. We covered a little bit of this in the Weekend Warrior show. Uh, Lana did a good segment on this too. Reconciliation bill includes nearly $80 billion for IRS, including enforcement and audits. That's from the CNBC here. Uh, and there's other headlines here too of what they're doing now. Uh, this is from someone who has a website called Open the Books, where they look at uh, basically the militarization and the weaponization of American uh, you know, agencies and institutions. And they found that the uh, Internal Revenue Service, IRS, uh, with its 2,159 special agents, spent 21.3 million U.S. dollars on guns and ammunition and military-style equipment between fiscal year 2006 and 2019. The agency stockpiled 4,500 guns and 5 million rounds of ammunition. And topping that off, the IRS just even more recently spent another, almost another million, about $700,000 on ammunition in just early 2022 alone, right? And this is uh, something that came out uh, when the, uh, the the people were starting reading up on what the Inflation Reduction Act uh, actually is uh, going to bring us here, right? So there was a good report you can check out called The Militarization of the U.S. Executive Agencies that has a lot of this stuff in it. And of course, very, very uh, worrying to say the least. And now this is the uh, screenshot that people are sharing today as well. Take a sip of water here, guys. One second. And so, of course, someone needs to fill these 80,000, 87,000, I think it was, new uh, job openings that uh, they have available at uh, jobs.irs.gov. Major duties. Let's just read these uh, together, shall we? Adhere to the highest standard of conduct, especially in maintaining honesty and integrity. To work a minimum of 50 hours per week. That's 10 more than, I guess, usual, but also then, which may include irregular hours and be on call 24-7, including holidays and weekends. Maintain a level, this is an interesting one, right? Maintain a level of fitness necessary to effectively respond to life-threatening situations on the job. This IRS. Carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force if necessary. And the last one says, be willing and able to participate in arrests, execution of search warrants, and other dangerous assignments. Meditate on this a little bit here. What are they, what is this about? What are they doing? Let me see, didn't I have a video about this one guy? Did a video? Uh, maybe, I'll find that in a bit here. Yeah, there was one guy doing a video on this, which is like, what the, what the hell are they doing? What, what is this, what is this about? Yeah, here it is. RS Jobs. Let me check this one out here. You know, he covered this here. Let me uh, do one fix here, guys, real quick. Uh, here it is. Check out this video here. Here we go. So you're looking for a new job and you hear the IRS is hiring a shit ton of people. So you decide to go to their website and take a look and see what the job requirements are. What will you be asked to do? You're shocked to learn the following. Adhere to the highest standards of conduct, especially in maintaining honesty and integrity. Okay, I'm down with that. Work a minimum of 50 hours per week, which may include irregular hours, and be on call 24-7, including holidays and weekends. Okay, well, that part sucks. Maintain a level of fitness necessary to effectively respond to life-threatening situations on the job, 
These are tax collectors. They're not police. They're tax collectors. It goes on. Carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force if necessary. Again, these are tax collectors. Be willing and able to participate in arrest, execution of search warrants, and other dangerous assignments. Hmm. Collecting taxes at gunpoint. Sure seems like something our founding fathers would have a problem with. What could possibly go wrong, folks? Am I right? What could possibly go wrong? Uh, so anyway, that link too, uh, if you click on jobs.irs.gov, was taken down when this started going around. The tweet, it still doesn't load properly. I loaded it one time after it didn't load successfully. I couldn't figure it out. But anyway, it is up on uh, archive, uh, web.archive.org. If you want to find it there, you have the top uh, URL there in the, in the, uh, on the screen there. So it, was a re it is a real pa uh, page. We're hiring, hiring special agents now. And of course, think about that too as an added layer to this, right? Diversity, anti-whiteness is sneaking into these institutions. Every institution needs to diversify. And in fact, there's been this long-running campaign now to purge so-called you know, uh, Nazis and white supremacists. And of course, this is basically anybody that holds, you know, opinions they don't like from police, from military, from government institutions, all these things, right? So they've been purging one type of person that potentially, there's not even a guarantee, but potentially could stand up and say no when like the witch hunt on white people begins, who they're seeking to turn into a minority, of course, in, in all over the West, but we're in the U.S. right now. And so you have potentially vehement left-wing, maybe even non-white, anti-whites who's getting into these positions. And who do you think they're going to harass? Who do you think they're going to go after? Who do you think that they're going to target, right? Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out and where this is going, right? Uh, anyways, you can uh, click here to apply today. And here's key requirements. And here's uh, the uh, passage we read here under major duties, right? And they're all right there. So basically, go be, will be willing to die on the job as a tax collector, as you might end up in situations where you have to use deadly force and uh, respond to life-threatening situations on the job. 87,000 of these. Uh, uh, unbelievable, right? So now there's been calls to basically... Uh, dis, uh, dismember, disband in these groups. It's time to get rid of them, right? So you're seeing like a kind of a legal separation ideas about this, which was kind of interesting. Just save that tweet. It was one guy down in Florida. Maybe I didn't save that. But he was like urging um, the states to kind of disconnect from these federal institutions uh, because they're now beginning to do like unlawful. And of course, this has been going on for years. Again, I mean, this this should have been a discussion when they're doing entrapment and sting operations with these, not IRS, but FBI, right? Uh, but on, on a par of just how rotten and how bad these uh, these groups have become. And it is basically now just a political tool. Uh, and we haven't heard this clip yet, but let's play it. It's uh, Peter Ducey, one of the only somewhat decent journalists, uh, was asking the... Um, uh, super stunning, brave new press secretary at the White House about this. About the Inflation Reduction Act, who around here decided that Americans were crying out for more interaction with the IRS? I, I don't understand your question. You have to say more. Do you think it's going to be popular when the 87,000 new employees hired by the IRS go around and start auditing people to pay for the Inflation Reduction Act? So it's very clear. Uh, the IRS commissioner was very clear on this. He said that on on the record, 
that this only will it will only apply to those earning over four hundred thousand dollars. Bullshit. The commissioner said, and I quote: "These resources are absolutely not about increasing audit scrutiny on small businesses or middle-income Americans, as we have been in planning our invest investment of these enforcement resources is designed around Treasury directive that audit rates will not rise relative to recent years." For households making under four hundred thousand dollars, so, so no this is this is focus on those who are, uh, uh, you know, corporate wealthy tax cheats that Republicans, congressional Republicans, wanted to uh, defend. That's who they wanted to defend. They wanted to defend those corporate uh, tax cheats. This is not about. This is not about that. This is not about folks who make less than four hundred thousand dollars. So no new audits on anybody making under four hundred thousand dollars a year very clear i mean and even if that was the case you <laughs> oh it's, oh now it's fine so just anybody that just because they earn four hundred thousand, then now yeah now we can all go out, take all their money right what, what, what is this about uh of course not this is always just uh, lip service they uh they just uh, uh try to pat it over make it look good just yeah yeah, yeah. no no it's just for the uh, for the very rich and powerful yeah of course they totally would do that yeah no, no worries uh, no, no, this is this is to destroy and go after the middle and lower class. That's what this is, and create just one, uh, you know, one uh, unwashed masses on the bottom, and then you have the lead at the top. That's what this is about. Uh, the destruction and undermining of the middle class have been a long-standing goal uh, in America, and in conjunction with this, you have something else that's interesting, which is the uh, Alex Jones. Legal situation. Uh, now, when we talked about it, he was ordered to pay 4.5 million, and then all of a sudden, uh, the crazy blue-haired liberal. Uh, where is she here? The beautiful, the beautiful woman here. Is she? Did I not say? Oh, here, here she is. Here she is. Uh, the beautiful judge here in the Alex Jones trial. Totally, uh, well, totally normal and well balanced. Uh, in a, not, uh, not, not an axe to grind. Obviously, right as we can see from her profile pics here. Uh, blue-haired LGBTQ COVID-19 vaccine uh, lunatic. Uh, I guess all of a sudden it was just ah, let's ma let's make that 50 million. Now he's been ordered to pay almost 50 million in damages to the parents of Sandy Hook massacre, and the Associated Press here was asking, but but Holocaust deniers, vaccine skeptics, and their their like can all air their lies without fear of legal trouble. How do we? What do we do to change that? That's that's the question here, right? Now, so we've we've advanced, we've reached the step where now we can go after people essentially for their opinions, right? And again, I think we mentioned this last time, but I do not believe that Alex Jones ever said on the air or in tweets or anywhere on social media, basically like, hey, hey, viewers, listeners, go after these parents and harass them. Uh, go, you know, no, the, the only thing they said was, we don't believe it happened the way they tell us. There's something fishy about this. And then they're connecting that with that. Well, and that led to all these people then going after them and harassing the parents and stuff, which, of course, is a is a crazy thing to uh, to say. Right. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Reality doesn't matter. So, as we said, now they're going to use cases like this to kind of set uh, a precedent and go after people that basically voice opinions online or elsewhere for that matter uh, that is not government fact checked approved essentially alex jones 49.3 million verdict and the future of misinformation from the associated press 
They say here, Alex Jones is facing hefty price tag for his lies about the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre. And it, by the way, he groveled and he backtracked and he said, well, it happened and stuff like But No, of course, that, that's not good enough. Not good enough. He's personally responsible for every conspiracy theory about this and, and, and the parents' uh, treatment in the wake of this. So he has to pay, right? So it's 49.3 million in damages and counting because there's more. There's what is it? Two more trials or three more? I forget what it is. Uh, they're going to basically try to take all his money, basically. And uh, they probably won't pull it off because he's just doing like bankruptcies and, you know, and I think moving this money out to different uh, uh, places and positions. There's something a little f funky with some of the replies they did. I watched one video, like a response video to the judge and the verdict and stuff. And it kind of, if, if, if I was in that situation, I would like take my time. I'd break everything down. I'd, I'd prove that what they said here was wrong and then what this was about. This is what actually happened or this is the, the real uh, facts about it or the numbers or whatever. And when he replied, it was very kind of erratic and it felt like he was covering up something and i think it had to do with the money right but they they wheeled out some so-called expert here and basically t tell told everybody how much money he'd make and i mean i'm sure he's made a, a shit ton of money and again good for him and he's he'd, he's done some damage but again i mean he's he's he he's turned it back on, on a number of topics over the years and uh you know, I, I wish he didn't, right? But uh, oh well, that's what he did. So think of that what you will. But the point is, he should he should he should be able to say what the hell he wants, whatever hell essentially he wants, or voice whatever opinion. Like I don't believe X happened, or I think X didn't happen exactly the way we're being told, right? Again, think of the bigger picture here. Like anybody that says something, uh, as he said in the in the tweet, right? A Holocaust denial, or you don't think the magical mRNA juice is safe and effective? Well, we'll go after you with hefty, you know, fines and legal ramifications. But what does what does this week's 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 verdict, the first of three Sandy Hook related cases against Jones to be decided, mean for the larger misinformation ecosystem? A social media fueled world of election denial, COVID-19 skepticism, and other dubious claims that the Infowars conspiracy theorists help build. I think a lot of people are thinking of this as a sort of blow against fake news. And it's important to realize that libel laws deal with a very particular kind of fake news, said Eugene Volok, a First Amendment professor at the UCLA School of Law. U.S. courts have long held that defamatory statements, falsehood dema uh, damaging the reputation of a person or a business, aren't protected free speech. But lies about other subjects like science, history, or the government are, for example, uh, are. For example, saying COVID-19 isn't real is not defamatory, but spreading lies about a doctor treating coronavirus patients is. That distinction is why Jones, who attacked the parents of Sandy Hook victims, did he really though? I don't think he did. And claimed the 2012 shooting was staged with actors to increase gun control is being forced to pay up while Holocaust deniers, flat earthers and vaccine skeptics are free to post their theories without much fear of multi-million dollar court judgment. So that's that's what they want, right? That's what they want right there. They're, they're, that's in, in, uh, in yellow and black for you right there. Holocaust deniers. Flat earthers and vaccine skeptics are free to post their theories without much fear of multi-million dollar uh, court judgments. So how do we change? How do we change that? Can we sue them for something if they say something we don't like? Can we? Uh, can we just uh, drag them into court? Yes, that's what they want.
Alex Jones was attacking individuals, say Stephen D. Solomon, a law professor and founding editor of New York's uh, university's First Amendment Watch. It's funny how this all these First Amendment scholars, they're like, yeah, we need to <laughs> we need to go after them for defamation. And that's important. A lot of disinformation does not attack individuals. Lawyers for the plaintiffs, the parents of one of the uh, one of 21st graders killed at the Connecticut school in 2012, said they hope a big money verdict against Jones would serve as a deterrent to him and others who peddle misinformation for profit. I'm asking you to take the bullhorn away from Alex Jones and all of the others who believe they, they can profit off of fear and misinformation. So you're saying if you so if you don't um, you, you're telling me that they would not go after if you if you somehow don't do not uh, monetize let's say if you do videos or shows or you talk about uh, these uh, things you tell me they would never go after anybody uh, who who doesn't kind of monetize their their shows or you know whatever do super chats or take donations or something of course not that it, that's not what it's about this is about information control right and again despite the fact that they they rig the the media they control the conversation they shut down they censor they ban they do all these shadow ban they do all these things and it's still not good enough right it, they're still so desperate that they want to basically change the laws and the rules and I mean not that they adhere to them anyway to be honest but they just want to circumvent them in order to basically just shut down anybody that says something that uh, that, that they don't like. So if you, you know, take any historical event, right? And of course, they'll only single in on a few, actually, as we saw in this article here, a couple of examples. Uh, but like, uh, no, I don't believe that the uh, Titanic sunk the way that they uh, tell us, or or it didn't really go down, or, or there was a, I think I said Lusitania last time, and that was wrong, of course. What was the actual ship that they <laughs> that they switched it with? It wasn't an insurance thing there? I forget what the ship was called, but anyway, it's not the Lusitania. Um, but you tell me that like then they want to shut you down and and basically um, sue you into oblivion, or at least or at least have the constant fear of multi-million dollar lawsuits that you won't even dare to voice opinions online about history. Ay, ay, ay. Incredible. Uh, what does it say? Wesley Ball said in a closing argument Friday, did someone have the, what's the name of the the ship, chat? bothers me now. Uh, Wesley Ball said in his closing argument Friday, the gold rush of fear and misinformation must end, and it must end today. Jones, who has since acknowledged that the shooting was real. See, that's not good enough. Someone have it? No, okay. Um, he has claimed his statements about Sandy Hook were protected by the First Amendment. He even showed up to court with Save the First scrawled on a piece of paper over his mouth. I think it was not a tape. Olympia, was that what it was? Based lips? Bassoon, bassoon lips. Bassoon lips? Thank you. Olympia. Was that the Olympia? Yeah, I think it was the Olympia. That's right. Titanic and the Olympia. Thank you. Britannia? No, it was Olympia, was it? All right. Uh, anyway. But uh, despite the public theatrics, Jones never got to make that argument in court. Yeah, and that was interesting too, by the way, what they barred him from even testifying or something or like pushing his side of the... Uh, uh, of the story. After Jones failed to comply with orders to hand over critical evidence, which was, uh, as far as I understand, it was also bunk. They said they wanted things which, like, they couldn't provide, like they wanted, uh, was it uh, out uh, printouts from, like, um, 
QuickBooks or whatever there is called a financial software, right, in a certain way or just certain years or whatever, and they couldn't do it, but they had printed all of it out and handed it over, and that wasn't good enough. So then they said, you didn't comply with discovery, and so blah, 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 you're guilty, you know. Um, a judge entered a default judgment for the plaintiffs and skipped right to the punishment phase. So, I mean, that is clear. It's like they, they just, they literally want to just destroy this guy. Jones lawyer and Dino Reynal told the jury uh, during closing arguments that a large judgment would have a chilling effect on people after seeking to hold governments accountable. And he, by the way, was the guy who handed over his whole uh, phone to them, right? A copy, a digital copy of his phone so they could search for Sandy Hook messages to try to get him on perjury. Who's this guy? He's in, was he appointed by the state or something? I, I don't get it. Couldn't he not get a uh, better a better attorney or something? Anyway, it, it's all very strange. You've already sent a message, a message for the first time to talk uh, to a talk show host, to all talk show hosts, that their standard of care has to change. Uh, Reynold told the jurors, free speech experts say any shilling effect should be limited to people who wantonly disseminate false information. Here we go. Not journalists or other citizens making good faith efforts to get at the truth of the matter. That's right. So, no, no. Real journalists, are, they're going to never end up in trouble. They're always good faith, right? As the, uh, I'm going to fly in here. Uh, as, the, uh, as we saw in the clip earlier, right? These, uh, these uh, uh, teleprompt readers sitting at these local stations and national stations too, for that matter, uh, repeating the same bullshit and intelligence, uh, you know, uh, press releases essentially. No, no. That's always good faith. You see, yeah, the... It's uh, it's Alex Jones that took the country to uh, to war in, in in Iraq, right? That killed millions of people. It's uh, it's us doing false flags and sting operations as independent alternative journalists and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. As long as you make it in good faith and you're on our side, you're fine. So don't worry about it. You, so you keep doing you. The Young Turks keep doing what they're doing. David Pakman keep doing what you're doing. Uh, what's his name? Ring of Fire. Keep doing what you're doing, right? All these uh, left vouch. Keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. You're you can lie and deceit and 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 smear and defame however much you want, right? These uh, these damn right wingers, though, and uh, and uh, patriots and nationalists. Those are the big problem. You have to look at this particular case and ask yourself, what exactly are you shilling? Solomon said. Is that, isn't that an S? <laughs> the kind of speech that I, I know what he's meaning. Uh, the kind of speech that defames parents who have lost their children in the massacre is maybe the kind of speech you do not want to deter. Yeah, but if you didn't, if if someone else makes a decision on behalf of information that you share, now they're saying that then let's go after and destroy the messenger, the, the conduit for that information, not the actual person that's doing the harassing or that's doing the actual, you know, whatever illegal act or what it is. No, no, that's not a problem. It's everything is upside down with this. Go If someone did something illegal after Sandy Hook, go after them then. Uh, you do want to shield that speech, Solomon said. Yeah, just said. so if it's if it's wrong according to our standards, then uh, then we have to silence them. That's that's fine. That's a message that potentially the jury wanted to send here. That is unacceptable in a civilized society. As far as Jones, Reynolds said he isn't going away anytime soon. He'll remain on the air while they appeal the verdict. One of the largest and high profiles, uh, highest profile decisions in a defamation case in recent years. Among others, a gadfly order in February to pay $50 million to a South Carolina mayor after accusing her in emails of committing 
a crime and being unfit for office. A former tenant ordered in 2016 to pay $38.3 million for posting a website accusing a real estate investor of running a Ponzi scheme. Is that really worth that much? Holy shit. And a New Hampshire mortgage provider ordered in 2017 to pay $274 million to three business businessmen after he posted billboards accusing them of drug dealing and extortion. These kinds of damages and verdicts do have a shilling effect. Volok said they are intended to have a shilling effect on lies that damage people's reputations. Hmm, yeah, could we take up uh, could we take up this case? Yeah, yeah, no, you see how this works, right? Bill Hoover says, meanwhile, we're constantly bombarded with nonstop conspiracy theories about how Nazis are secretly controlling the world and how white people are always just murdering non-whites for fun because we're evil. Yeah, exactly. A whole uh, ethnic group is being defamed, essentially. White open season of white people, you can go after them in every every capacity, in every way. They're always to blame, right? But no, there's I don't see any uh, lawsuits, <laughs> defamation lawsuits or otherwise regarding that. All right. Let me check here. I think we're caught up. No, let me see. What do we have here? Let me click on that real quick. Uh, okay, yeah, someone, thank you. Uh, Love Innovation uh, links up a uh, Sandy Hook video here. Is that uh, Ulla Damagard? Looks like that, yeah. Uh, on, uh, on Odyssey, thank you. Appreciate that. We'll check that out after the show. All right, so... Let's uh, let's switch topics a little bit here. I wanted to also show that uh, you know we've talked quite a bit about the shortages situation, uh, the attack on the infrastructure when it comes to food production, um, the supply chain overall is is under attack. And uh, you guys remember the baby formula shortage thing, and of course that's something that's still ongoing, hasn't really been resolved. Uh, this is the danger when you have like one factory producing everything like they did. I think it was a Michigan factory for a Abbott was it Abbott something. And um, first time they shut down, it was allegedly because of some bacteria in the formula or something, which was still not even 100% settled. Was that actually what it was? Did that actually happen? Uh, and then after long inspections and stuff by the, what is it, the FDA, then it, finally they start up. And then like a couple of weeks later, I think it was, they shut down again because of weather. So this time there was some, like they had rained too much and there was some flooding or something in the factory and they had to shut everything down again. I haven't, I don't know if they've started up since then, but it's come out since then that they're also, because of laws that were passed back in 2019, they are actively destroying baby formula uh, basically because, right? They claim, oh, well, maybe it's outdated or maybe something has happened to it. Maybe this, maybe that. Uh, but the end result is, of course, is that uh, you have shortages. So couldn't you give and hand out stuff? It's kind of like to think of the uh, the footage we showed of the cows, right? Oh, they had all died of a, of a heat stroke or heat exhaustion, whatever it was called the term. They're all lying upside down and they're all like they're being bulldozed over and just like, you know, destroyed and uh, and mixed up with trash in order to so that no one can harvest them or anything like that. Uh, it, it, they've done the same with pigs. They've done the same with uh, with poultry. Just, I mean, millions and millions of bird, the birds they've slaughtered um, just be, you know, to try to avoid something that hasn't happened, right? Bird flu. Uh, there might be bird flu. Let's kill millions of birds. The point is, all of this is leading to shortages and massive uh, problems when it comes to uh, the food supply and keeping that uh, in, in motion. So here's a video. Let me play you this. It's a woman who claims that it uh, looks like she's a trucker, that uh, she is driving the... 
her trailer is full of baby formula to be taken to a place where they just destroy it. Anyway, check this out. baby formula they're dumping them that's what they're doing with them there's pallets upon pallets I wondered why they had it stored outside that's baby formula they're breaking them down off those pallets trying not to be seen They're breaking them down off the pallets. And watch you fix it. Look, the guy in the dozer is fixing it. Oh my God. Y'all, I'm not, that's, that's baby formula. I've got baby formula on my truck and that's baby formula. All right, there you go. So I don't know what that is about. Is that what it looked like? It was the real thing that they're doing. And so this is another story here from, uh, um, I think this is North Carolina. They're talking about this, where it happened. Mothers call on state to change practice of destroying unused infant formula. And it was the same with um, uh, this story here. Following USDA guidance, state clinics destroy thousands of cans of usable baby formula. The government worsens the baby formula shortage yet again. Of course they do. Check out this uh, clip here. Investigation. Okay, let's go. When a WREL investigation found the state of North Carolina has been destroying certain supplies of baby formula since 2019, health officials said they didn't track how much formula is thrown out. WREL has now obtained documents that show state offices do track those numbers. WREL's Keenan Willer joins us now with the changes some mothers are calling for in our area. Keenan? That's right, Deborah. New documents appear to show the state does very much keep records of how much formula they've destroyed throughout this shortage. And some families in need say in this moment, this policy is hurting more than it's helping them. It's frustrating to know that this is what's happening to perfectly good food that could feed our babies. Mariana Horn is one of many North Carolina mothers still searching for baby formula. She's resorted to joining Facebook groups online where desperate families can buy or exchange food. Horn says a woman recently drove five hours to her home just for one can of formula for her baby. The situation has changed. It has become an urgent crisis. And with crises, you know, comes the need for action. Horn's talking about the North Carolina WIC program, 
The state has a policy of destroying all baby formula that's returned to their offices, even if it's unexpired and unopened. The state told WREL it's a federal recommendation they've been following since 2019, aimed at preventing improperly stored food from being donated back to families. Last week, we asked the NC Department of Health and Human Services how much formula the state's destroyed under the policy, and the state told us they don't track that data. But after our story, an employee of a state WIC office said that's not true. They sent us this document, titled Formula Disposal Log. It says two WIC employees have to be present to record whenever formula is destroyed, including the date, the amount, and even the type of food being thrown out. In a statement, DHHS says these forms are part of their state WIC manual and that local offices can use them for documentation but aren't required to submit them to the state. Some mothers are now calling on the state to change the policy altogether. Parents are desperate. We are in need of food for our babies and we need action and we need it now. Now, DHHS told us last week they were revisiting this policy in light of the ongoing shortages. This week, they say they are still looking into it. We'll keep following it up. We're, uh, we're, Thank you. we're just looking. Uh, we'll look into that for you, okay? Yeah, so it, it's uh, what I'm getting at here is that it's like it's intentional. This is from June, though, so this is a little while ago. I think the other video is more recent, uh, the TikTok video, where they're still doing this, right? And so apparently, like, they're, they're breaking everything up, every package. I guess that's to avoid that someone... I don't know, depending on how they destroy it, uh, they get out or something or still end up using it or something. It, it's so hard uh, to donate this and it, there's so many rules and regulations that's, that's so that when this shortage happens, and, and there's layers of problems. One, you shouldn't have been giving your kids this shit and whatever, but, but the point is it's like it's an, it's an intentional created problem and they're making it worse by preventing parents from donating, from giving it to others. Even if it's like you know one day over the uh, the best b b before date or something, then they can't use it either and stuff. And then they flew in that stuff from like Switzerland, which was like enough for I don't know like twenty thousand bottles or something, and that was that. And so it was basically like a fart in space. It was it's like didn't help anything. It's like they intentionally want to make it as worse as possible. That's the that's the point here with this, and that's how insane it is. Uh, so anyway, this is uh, this is uh, this is government when they get get involved, right? All right, let me uh, let me do this. Let me uh, let me show you something here. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the crazy uh, anti-whiteness here. I saw this the other day. It's a uh, it's a German campaign. Presumably, it's um, I think it's like a uh, you know abortion uh, thing. To be honest, that's like her. Is that her uh, placenta there? I think it is. Right. It says there on the screen. Mein Blutlein endet mit mir, which means my bloodline, my bloodline ends with me. Uh, from S Sophia Schutz, Blue, uh, this is an artwork. That's right, artwork, right? Uh, in Germany, state-sponsored. You can even see down below. This is how this is how sick the societies we're living in right now. And of course, no, nowhere is it worse than in like a place like Germany, right? So the bottom right there, you can see the different like groups and organizations and money that was given to this art, uh, so-called art, you know, this campaign, whatever the hell it is, right? She's like stabbing her own placenta. There is that. That's a placenta thing, right? Sophia Schütze, Blutline, Bloodline by Sophie Sophia Schütz. This is this is great, right? And of course. It reminded me of a story that we saw in the Spectator recently. Speaking of like. Ending not only yourself, but when other people ends you and ends you or us in this case. Uh, well, I couldn't figure out. It's a spectator. There's been like 
somewhat good on certain things occasionally. Uh, in fact, they, they even had another piece. And I was like, wait a minute, is this is this parody? Let me pull that in quick. I, I forgot to do that. I was like, wait a minute, is this parody? Uh, and I couldn't figure it out at first. And, and I think eventually uh, we realized that it actually was. But it took a little bit. It, it's, you know, so-called jokes is so close now to reality. We'll get back to the spectator piece in a little bit, by the way, too. Uh, but this one here. It, it's so close now to the absurd reality we're experiencing that we can't really tell and it's kind of hard to figure it out. So the title of this was I Apologize for My White Baby by Bridget Fetessy. How can I extol the virtues of anti-racism while birthing another white person? I'm here to apologize to my brothers and sisters of color. My white daughter's pale skin has brought me nothing but shame. I have failed as an ally. For if whiteness is the root cause of systemic racism, then what does that make me for having a white child? How can I extol the virtues of anti-racism and dismantle white supremacy while simultaneously birthing another white person? The two seems incompatible. If I were truly honoring my commitment to decolonizing white spaces. <laughs> I would have had my tubes tied or had myself euthanized. And I was like, all right, wait a minute there. Look, she's going, doesn't she go over a little bit here? At this point, I'm like, wait a minute, so this got to be a joke, right? And she continues, done the BIPOC community and the planet a favor. <laughs> I'm such a coward, she says. My therapist will have their work cut out for them this week. Love is love, unless you fall in love with a chiseled white male. Then love isn't love, it's white privilege. During my pregnancy, I caught myself fantasizing about the child coming out black. <laughs> and it's like, while it's true that there are uh, women this crazy, that's kind of like, all right, this has got to be, uh, et cetera, uh, you know, kind of a parody, exaggeration or whatever. And so it was only when I searched for the author, as you can see, the Bridget Fetacy, right? I was like, okay, whew, at least that was. But the point is, it's so close. You can't even tell. And I was surprised that the spectator didn't have, considering that they just had that, like, vehement, crazy, anti-white piece. And we'll get to that in a second. That they didn't anywhere in the piece say that, oh, this is you know, this is parody, this is a joke, whatever. Anyway, this is what she said, right? Uh, so, so I found the author's YouTube channel, and this is what she said about the very word. The word fetacy. I made up, which... There we go. Okay, go. Now I'm ready. Go. The word I made up, which I took as my last name, is fetacy, and it means when reality becomes parody or parody becomes reality. Irony squared, but really it means... It's the age we're living in now. I made this word up in 2006 to describe what people often misidentified as ironic. And now it's fully just our life. It's essentially when you read a headline and you think, is that reality or parody? It's a fetacy. Now you know. All right. So I guess I guess she's uh, I guess she's somewhat good. She's somewhat on uh, our side. <laughs> I don't know on certain issues. I, th I, I think the, the vehement anti-whiteness like that kind of exaggerated made me like, okay, all right. So she knew... She sees what's going on, and she wants to make it so absurd that you're like, "Oh my god, I, I can't believe this is oh this is." And there's a value in this, right? Going so over the top 
that it actually wakes up the person reading it and actually starts taking their own side, right? So that, that's it's it's kind of good. However, can't say as much for this piece. Now this is kind of veiled in like sci-fi or yeah, I guess sci-fi to a certain extent, fiction. So, but but the but the message is clear what this is about. Let me read this article for you here uh, by Mia Levitin Levitin from the Spectator. A post-racial world, The Last White Man by Moshin Hamid. He's some uh, Pakistani author who's like praised, of course. Another anti, figure that, is another anti-white lunatic. And of course he's getting uh, uh, praise, right? So this is a review of that book. Calm eventually settles when the world's population turns brown and white people become a distant memory. Musin Hamid's fifth novel opens up with a Kafkaesque twist. Anders, or Anders, I guess in Anglophone, a white man, wakes up to find that he has turned a deep and undeniable brown. Unrecognizable to his entourage, he feels he first confesses his predicament to Una, a friend and a new lover. Similar metamorphoses begin to be reported throughout the country, and violence ensues as pale-skinned militants stalk the streets. Oh, this says this should be good. This should be a, a very exciting, fascinating, uh, you know, science fiction book here by uh, by uh, Mushin Hamid. This is a more uh, anti-white uh, porn, I guess they call it, right? In its use of speculative device, The Last White Man recalls Hamid's 2017 Booker shortlist, shortlisted Exile West. I'm, yeah, I'm sure, yes, I'm sure it's the same theme, right? In which migrants teleport through Narnia-like doors. <laughs> what? All right, what? Whereas his first three books played with narrative conversations. A tra blah blah blah. Anyway, his books are so great. Just do the, just lick this guy up and down, blow job him all you want. Hamid has said that the last white man, this book, was born out of his experience in the aftermath of 9/11, when he lost many of the benefits of whiteness. I'm sorry. Mushin Hamid lost the benefits of whiteness after 9/11. Okay. Alrighty. Previously afforded by virtue of his education and prestigious job as a management consultant at McKinsey's. You're saying because of his job and education and positions, uh, he was he was he was white. And then after 9-11 he was not white. Is it okay? All right. So now he's doing that in reverse, but against white people then. The allegory probes timely issues around race and identity without being heavy-handed. Yeah, no, of course not. As Hamid's wry humor leavens the weighty subject matter. Where the book is most affecting is in its deep depiction of the personal. Unas and Anders deepening intimacy. The shift, I'm sure that's not at all a uh, commingling of uh, the, uh, the, the the blood right there, but anyway. Uh, the shifting dynamics with their parents and the its poignant portrayal of loss. Both characters have already lost one parent, and Una is mourning the recent—that's right—is mourning the recent death of her twin brother from an overdose in what may be the most moving deathbed scene since Ivan Ilyich. We watch as Anders' father 
the titular last white man, approaches dying as a final act of fathering. <clears throat> so this is a uh, this is a like a a, a symbolic uh, a end to whiteness. Is that what I'm is that what I'm hearing here? That this is like a a fantasy fetish. Right? This is a fantasy fetish as the last white man dies as everyone else has turned brown somehow miraculously. And uh, sorry, it's a fly, <laughs> flying here. We have come to disavow our own morality. Mortality, I mean, mortality. Hamid lamented in a Spectator Books podcast. In a secular society, fiction is one of our few means of inquiring into all the anti white hate. No, I'm sorry, into how we live and die well. After a period of unrest, a kind of calm settles once the majority of the population in The Last White Man has darkened. Yeah, this is not, not an analogy at all. It's totally not what's happening right now, right, with the uh, replacement and the low birth rates and the immigration and the uh, co-mingling, right? At the end of the book, Hamid fast-forwards to a time when whiteness is a distant memory inviting readers to imagine the possibility of a post-racial world. It's going to be all kumbaya when whitey disappears. That's right. With paragraphs often made... I love how they can write these things, but it's just like a still swooning over what an excellent and just incredible book this is. With paragraphs often made up of one long sentence, the narrative is propelled by the cadence of commas. God, I hate these reviews and the way they write. While it, uh, yeah. While it may not seem an obvious beach read, at a slim 180 pages of text, the last white man can be saviored in a single thought-provoking sitting. <laughs> this is like, this is, a, but this is completely okay, though. Don't worry about this. We can absolutely replace these goddamn white people and talk about it openly and celebrate it in works of fiction uh, and shitty literature brought to us by uh, the, the replay replaysees. Is that, is that the right word? Uh, all right. So uh, so anyway, so to uh, to turn that around, and I want to show the uh, oh, is it frozen up now? Let, let's see if this comes around here. We'll see if it comes around. I wanted to show you that classic uh, screenshot again, right, of the articles there from, uh, from uh, what is it, uh, Guardian and uh, The Independent, I think, right? Last days of a white world, right? The way it's like, we're, they're all excited about us kind of coming close to that right now. We're, we're kind of almost there, just hanging there a little bit more. Can I get those in? No, can I? No, I couldn't. Okay. Uh, yeah, the replacement ones, right? You guys, you guys have seen some of this, but this is... The, they're so they're so good and so efficient to show because it's like all the deniers out there who who try to claim that this is not really happening or oh you you're delusional oh well you're just sharing your countries with other people now uh, they always shut up when you uh, show them these for the most part anyway if they have a, if they have a brain some of them don't white Britons will be a minority before 2017 2070 says professor the last days of a white world. They're excited about this watershed moment when whites finally become a minority, and so too soon, and soon they're going to disappear forever. Right? This article says the U.S. white majority will soon disappear forever by 2050. Now, this is not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen, and we're going to stop it. That's right. But to make up for that, some of this horrible anti-whiteness, um, let's give some. Uh, 
round of applause and some uh, good uh, good campaigns here by a patriotic alternative over in the UK. They had is it the is it the eighth or the ninth where they celebrate uh, Indigenous Peoples Day? Right, twenty twenty two. I just missed a chat from Mark Collett, so you know if anybody's watching from PA or uh, Mark or anything like that, I get, I, I'll I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I saw it yesterday. And so it was a message from Mark. Hey, you know, it's coming up. Take a picture, like a join in on the campaign, right? So through these photo submissions. And I missed that message and I'd forgotten the dates. So anyway, next year we'll uh, we'll definitely take part. Uh, but uh, we encourage you to take part in this. This is some good stuff. And it's a lot of photo, photo submissions. So let's take a look at a couple in the beginning and then we can just, you know, scroll really quickly by, right? But basically, different variations of uh, White Lives Matter all over the UK. I think there's other parts as well, right? People writing it on things, they print out papers, they have it on big banners, they hang it on monuments, right? All that good stuff. Here's some stones in the beginning here. Why not? Anything you can, right? People taking White Lives Matter, um, whether it's printed or just written on paper, holding it up in different areas. This is a, it's a good uh, awakening campaigners, basically to show that white people are beginning to wake up no matter where we are. Uh, we matter. We'll start taking our own sides, right? So this is a good campaign. And uh, you know, if we if it if it helps just one person, it's it's worth it. You know what I mean? So who sees this, and maybe they get angry first or whatever. But uh, you know, you never know. It's planting seeds, and it could come around. So uh, anyway, check this out. Some great stuff here, all over, you know, Scotland and Wales, over in the northeast, right? This was a good one. Glasgow, Scotland. They hung it on uh, the statue. Who's who's the who's the one in the statue there? Sorry, I forget who that is, but that's a good one. Um, so anyway, huge page. Go to uh, patrioticalternative.org.uk and uh, check the Indigenous Peoples Day 2022 and scroll down. Let, let me just, I'll, I'll pick it up here, scroll through. Tons of them, tons of people printing this out. It's a good morale booster. White Lives Matter all over the place, all over the UK, different configurations in different ways. Look at that. Is that a pirogue with, uh, with it on it? Why not? Be creative with it. <laughs> Write it in coins, right? <laughs> on pillows. It's great. Make it, uh, make it, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it doesn't always have to be, you know, with like harsh, uh, harsh symbols next to it, if you know what I mean. It can be, it can be just a, a lady, right? Uh, she's a cro a crocheting, is that what it's called? Crocheting White Lives Matter on a, uh, uh, <laughs> on a doily, whatever. <laughs> Why not? It's good, right? So anyway, all over here, tons of photos. Spray painted anti white messages, right? Or like anti anti white message. It's anti white, not all right. Good. Yeah, let me scroll through here. So, tons of places. Good, good for PA uh, for initiating this. Call at Towler, all the good people over there. So, uh, good stuff. Yeah, check out that page. Let me pick up the speed here. It's just tons of photo submissions. Look at this. Tons of them. Tons of them. It's too much for me to slowly scroll through here. All over. Plant the flag, as it were, right? Have messages, print out banners. Here, there's some good ones here. Look at this, how big some of these are. That where's this? Uh, Dundee, Dundee Laud in Scotland. Check that out. Some big ones. And of course, immediately there's one outside of uh, there's a parliament right there, Westminster. Good. Uh, good stuff. So well, yeah, I think with some of them, I saw headlines and articles already. Oh my god, I can't. This is unacceptable. Go after them. Criminally charge them. You know what I mean? And, and to a certain extent, that it, when they lose their brains like that and start going after people just for saying white lives matter, short term that's an L for whoever's involved in that, but long term that's a that's a that's a win for us. You know, I I, I do believe that because it shows just how insane they are. 
Anyway, I'm halfway through that page. So really good stuff there. Outside of cathedrals on statues, right? All good stuff. All right. Very good. Very good. So good stuff. Should have Mark back here soon too, by the way. Uh, and speaking of another another clip I saw, this is some positive stuff here too. Very good clip. It was so I linked it up on our Telegram, so if you follow us there, you might have seen it already. But uh, excellent clip regarding and it, and it 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 made me think of the issue of uh, of long term long term thinking and the importance of uh, of thinking long term. Right. Let me show you. Let me just play you the clip here. Let me see. Can I not go back there? All right. I'll find it here. Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah. So let me play this clip here. Basically, how about how we not we need to start thinking long term? And in fact, even the as this video will show, the kind of the actual environmental and not the fake CO two carbon footprint uh, World Economic Forum ESG agenda twenty thirty gay agenda, but the actual climate and uh, environmental uh, message that I think uh, our people should have that we're the uh, we, we we are the ones looking out for nature. We are the ones looking out for biodiversity, including among the human family, right? Uh, is that uh, if we think long-term, these are actually the things that will be the most and the best uh, suited for ensuring that our environment is saved and uh, or taken care of, maybe it's a better word, uh, not hit so hard uh, by expanding uh, you know, human uh, development. Check this out here. Architects are always occupied with everything except architecture that they should somehow solve the climate crisis. So we build these green buildings. We, we put uh, grass on the roof or something similar like that. But the biggest contribution to CO2 emissions of a building is when it's built. So the classical way of building is more ecological than the modernist way because buildings last for hundreds of years and thousands of years. They don't last for 30 years, torn down, and then you build a new building. Mm. But the modernists think that you know an ecological building is one that is built in ecological materials. That's totally falsehood. A building is ecological when people want to preserve it. And we don't want to preserve ugly buildings. We tear them down. Mm. <laughs> Such a good one, right? It's, per it's a perfect... Uh, anything that's flighty and temporary and fashionable... Uh, or hip, you know, whatever. That's shit that will pass away. It will fade away. No one will even remember it. In fact, if it stands a few decades later, it's usually an eyesore and people hate it. And it's just like, it's like these socialist buildings that went up in Sweden that destroyed so much of our wonderful, beautiful old architecture that we had in many of the cities and towns like Gothenburg had a whole section full of houses built in wood. These are old houses, beautiful character and not all of them were fancy, not all of them were grandiose or whatever, but it, but it, it literally had spirit. It had a an essence to it that these new stacked shoe boxes in concrete on top of each other never could have in a million years, right? That's like that's there's, there's arch, architecture that make you makes you feel warm. It makes you feel part of nature. It blends in with nature. It has natural elements in it. Right, floral patterns that have different expressions that we're familiar with, the geometry that's mimicked in nature, things like this. No, instead it's straight lines, it's like cold and dead, and it's like soul crushing and soul destroying, right? So we need the point is we need to start thinking about that. We need to start thinking long term. And that the things we do today need to be here in two thousand years from now, at least. That's what we need to we need to create something 
that is worth preserving as well something that's worth remembering something that's still loved within you know within millions of uh, millennia from now i should say thousands of years millions of years that that's that might be a hard one but you know what i mean thousands of years it needs to last that's the message right these beautiful old buildings will never be outdated it's classics right it's only when we get these new ugly some new ugly fad that shows up and it just looks old and dirty and outdated just literally like a couple of decades later. And what do you what what do you have to do? Well, in some cases, I, I wish they would tear them down. In some cases, they don't even do that. Or they update them, make them even worse. Oh, glass, you know, glass and stone and metal and sleek lines, you know. Screw that shit. So the same thing that goes for our buildings and should be applied to music and art as well, obviously, right? Things that last, things that we want to preserve, but the same thing needs to apply for our culture, right? And our civilization and ultimately us, a people. Preserve yourself, right? Make sure that the descendants of you look like you. Preserve yourself, right? That that's a thinking that needs to be incorporated and baked into our consciousness as Europeans, as Westerners. And because um, for the most part, we live in a, a garbage, utterly garbage culture. And luckily, it will be forgotten, I think, in a few decades from now when uh, either we, you know, <laughs> take back the reins of this ship that's heading for the iceberg uh, or it collapses and we build something new again. Anything is possible here, right? But we need to have that vision. That's the point of that clip, too. Very inspired. So easy. So easy to explain this, right? I'm just looking at architecture as an example, as an analogy in a way of, of how we need to adopt the thinking for, for us and for our people and for our culture, right? We need to have that vision that stretches deep into the future, far into the future, uh, as far as possible. And we need to do things that last and that will last. That's the other thing here, right? All right. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed that clip. I really enjoyed that one. So thank you uh, who shared that with us. 20 from uh, Rowdy Dude. Thank you, Hale Henrik, uh, over on Odyssey. Are you familiar with the author Helen A. Uh, Gerb Gerber? Is that how I pronounce it? Garber? Gerber, I think it is. I'm not, actually. I haven't heard of that. I picked up a book on Norse mythology by her. I'm just wondering if she's also a trusted source. Keep up the good work. I don't Unless I've seen maybe one of her books or something. What was it? Helen, was it A.? Guerber, Guerber. Hmm. That looks a little older. I have to check that out. Interesting. Could be something interesting. Uh, thank you for the tip. I don't think I've heard of her before. Uh, unless it's, let me see if there's a book cover here. A couple of covers or titles at least of it. Um, I might actually have one of these. So I might actually, I just don't remember the author's name. Anyway, check it out, uh, guys, if you're interested. That could be something good. I'll uh, I'll let you know. Send me an email, and I might be able to give you some more answer after the show when I have time to look into it. But thank you, uh, Rowdy Dude. Appreciate that. That's very kind of you. So let's move on to the next one. I want to go back now, unfortunately. We, <laughs> we had some positive stuff here, but there's a couple of things that I, di I didn't end up covering, and I wanted to cover it. Speaking of garbage culture, right? Uh, I guess that's, a, that's a, our segue here. Total garbage culture, culture, right? Monkey, the monkeypox thing. This is a this is a good one. Do you guys remember Scott Weiner? He's the guy who actually lowered the. No, he um, they he was responsible for helping to pass a law in California that prevented you from being put on the sexual offenders registry list. Is that what it's called? If there was only ten years between. 
the uh, the uh, the uh, the predator, right, and the uh, and the victim. That's this guy, Scott Weiner. Weiner says gays shouldn't avoid sex party orgies despite monkeypox, but you couldn't say goodbye to your loved one at a funeral under COVID. That's right. Uh, this is a good one. Let's take it. Let's take a look at this one. I haven't seen this one yet. California State Senator Scott Weiner was very keen on people staying at home during the COVID pandemic. Selfishness, hostility to science and healthcare workers, pro-choice, i.e. choosing to get other people infected with a deadly disease. He also repeatedly demanded that people cover up in order to stop the spread of the virus. We need a national mask mandate, period. That's how we beat this virus. But you know who shouldn't have to cover up, according to Weiner? Even in the middle of a monkeypox public emergency that almost exclusively affects gay men. You know who should shouldn't have to stay at home. Gay men, who according to Wiener, should be free to continue to participate in group orgies. If people want to have sex, they're going to have sex, Wiener told the Washington Post. I know people who normally go to sex parties who will not. People will make their own decisions about their own risk levels. Also, some of them are actually taking a break from the homosexual fornication orgies. Wasn't that, wasn't that BuzzFeed that actually said, <clears throat> I can only take uh, apologies of Watson and Doses there, but uh, wasn't, uh, he does Good work overall, uh, to be to be honest. But uh, yes, um, Wiener wasn't it? Um, wasn't it him who also had the? Let me see if I wasn't he him who had actually been convicted or something like that, right? I think he was one of the guys that was like, caught with minors. And of course, the, one of the reasons why he pushed these laws was basically because they wanted to try to get. So you could be. Let's take the it was a ten year difference, right? And this was like fact checked after. Oh, it's actually not true, but it, but it was true. It was like you can you can if you're um, yeah if you're 17 then you can molest someone who's seven right and that was like according to California because of this guy totally reasonable totally fine not an issue whatsoever and that's the nature of the people who are pushing this so we have to destigmatize everything around monkeypox right and gays should not uh, be forced to take any measures uh, they should still go to orgies right we showed some of these screenshots in the past where um, uh, someone who actually got monkeypox was talking about how he went to some orgy and like guzzled, I'm sorry for the graphic thing here, but his words, not mine. He had, he had guzzled uh, gallons of, of piss, I think he said, or something like that. And then, uh, and then surprisingly, he got monkeypox, <laughs> right? That's how this works. And so that's, they got to continue their behavior at, at any cost. And even BuzzFeed urged people, can you please just for now, just not have like 40... Um, 40 sexual partners, uh, sodomite partners during like a, a weekend. Can you just put it off a little bit so we can try to prevent the spread of monkeypox? I don't know. It's just, it's out of control. I saw some other disease now, like 35 patients in China, I think it was, or something like that. It, again, I don't trust any of this. Uh, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually release something, some stuff like this. But uh, the monkeypox thing mo mostly is either just as they say legitimate or it is actually like a shingles type thing that's a consequence of uh, the vaccine or basically that you, your immune system is so compromised um, that you are susceptible and, and maybe it is monkeypox but maybe your immune system now is so compromi compromised because of the covid vaccine that whoever is uh, you know in proximity to someone who has it will actually get it as well so i, I haven't been able to figure it out right now but uh, I, I, as long as you stay away from those uh, gay orgies, uh, technically you should be fine. So, you know, I don't think uh, too many of you guys out there need to uh, worry about that. Uh, the other one was this one, speaking about the gay issue. 
check this out. Here is uh, Beloved Ukraine. Can we get that to switch, please? Let me see here. There we go. Uh, Beloved Zelensky over in uh, Ukraine uh, asks the government to study legalizing same-sex marriage. This is the uh, the, <laughs> the consequence and the priority of uh, when you want to join uh, NATO and then the EU too. Ukrainian president Zelensky on Tuesday asked his government to look into whether same-sex marriages should be legalized, but said there would be no moves as long as the war with Russia continued. Ah, that's too bad. I thought they'd do that anyway. Right? Priorities here, man. We have to prioritize the stuff that the EU wants for us. That's the beauty of uh, Western uh, civilization right now. You, you're joining up to join memberships in the EU, and this is the kind of stuff you got to be pushed on you. And then, of course, Ukraine, if they do join, if they survive this war, it'll be... Uh, uh, they'll pry open your borders and you'll be flooded like the rest of us. Uh, not a good idea, buddy. Uh, meanwhile, over in Saudi Saudi Arabia, this happened during a speech that he did as an ambassador of Saudi Arabia in the speech he did in Cairo, Egypt. Whoops a daisy. So apparently he uh, just died on the spot. And uh, of course, people have been asking, well, how many, sh how many m magical juice shots uh, did that guy get? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. We've seen these now. We have like, there should be some compilations out there, right? Where they just collapse, just fall apart. <clears throat> Look, I don't like seeing it. Uh, too bad for them. But uh, look, we have uh, we have we have people who want to kill us uh, in charge of uh, the show right now, and so you got to watch out. You can't trust any of this. Uh, new study links COVID vaccines to 25% increase in cardiac arrest for both males and females. Study based on data from emergency services. COVID infection itself not linked to significant increase in cardiovascular complications. So it's only the uh, the jab. A new study by Israeli researchers and published in Nature has revealed an increase of over 25% in cardiovascular-related emergency calls in the young adult population following the rollout of COVID vaccines among both males and females. No similar increase was found due to COVID infection alone. Isn't that interesting? Israeli or Israel Health Authorities and the U.S. Centers of Disease Control has acknowledged or have acknowledged a link between COVID vaccines and specific cardiovascular complications. The risk of myocarditis after receiving a second vaccine dose is now estimated to be between 1 in 3,000 to 1 in 6,000 in men aged 16 to 24. Interesting. Not surprised. This is uh, not surprising whatsoever. We've, uh, we've talked about this. Uh, the, the, the incoming wave here. Uh, of COVID vaccine victims, I think is is yet to fully roll out. There's some people covering this more regularly than we do at this point, uh, but apparently it's uh, it's it's very bad. And there's corners. There's people who even uh, you know build and construct um, caskets and coffins and things like this to say there's a huge increase. Right. Uh, meanwhile, this this was a bit odd one, but I wanted to highlight it because. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked back and forth what the origin is of, of 
the the rollout of this uh, disease um, and and maybe the vaccine is tied more to the disease the, these days than than originally. That's yet to be kind of sorted out, right? But uh, apparently. Russia has now, and this is kind of enforced titling here to Democrat Party, and there's some operatives. They mentioned Democrat, I think, once in the in the actual text uh, that they released. But anyway, let's let's read it as it is. Russia accuses Democrat Party globalists of creating unleashing COVID-19. COVID-19 was a product of a clandestine U.S.-backed biological weapons research with pharmaceutical companies and the Democratic Party after the clear beneficiaries of the pandemic. Russia's military of defense claims. Okay. Let's hear them out. Let's read it. Russia's Ministry of Defense accused the U.S. of creating and unleashing COVID-19 upon the world to benefit the Democratic Party and Big Pharma. The Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation continues to analyze the military and biological activities of the U.S. and its allies in Ukraine and elsewhere in the world in the light of new information obtained in the liberated territories. (laughs) Ukraine, in other words, Russia's chief of radiation, chemical and biological defense force, General Igor Kurilov, said in a briefing released on Tuesday. Russia cited a leading expert in The Lancet medical journal alleging that COVID-19 was created as a result of U.S. biotechnology advances. In May 2022, Jeffrey Sachs, a leading expert in the respected medical journal, The Lancet, and professor at Columbia University, that's a little red flag right there, the leading academic institution for global biosecurity told a conference in Spain that, quote, the coronavirus was artificially created and is very likely to have been created using American advances in biotechnology. And just a little caveat here too, by the way, Jeffrey Sachs, uh, just uh, happened to be listed in uh, Jeffrey Epstein's little black book, too. Remember how he had all these tie-ins with uh, scientists and uh, major universities and stuff, right? Well, Jeffrey Sachs has been quoted here uh, is one, uh, one, one of many listed in his black book. He recorded two phone numbers, but no address under his name, Jeffrey Sachs. So there you go. Take that uh, for, what you, <laughs> for what you will. Uh, they had some slides up, too, by the way, uh, the Russian military of defense info slides that apparently is like helping to prove this point uh but again of course you right now you can't you kind of can't trust anybody because basically it's like a information war between russia and the rest of the west at this point uh but anyways it's always interesting when they throw this out right russia suggested covid was also a product of biological research due to the pandemic appearing to be artificially fueled by new variants in different parts of the world According to our experts, this is evidenced by the uncharacteristics variability of the genovariants that cause different peaks in the incidence of coronaviruses, significant differences in lethality and contagiousness, uneven geographical distribution, and the unpredictable nature of the epidemic process as a whole. It appears that despite efforts to contain and isolate the disease, the pandemic is being artificially fueled by the introduction of new variants of the virus in a particular region. Um, but then, of course, you have to ask yourself, too, what? how much does the vaccine contribute to something like that, right? Because that's allegedly helping to create new variants. It's allegedly helping to create uh, people walking around becoming factories for this spiked protein that we've talked about, right? So could that be part of it too? I'm not sure. I don't think that, that they tie that in it. The, the, on, on the official stuff, Russia has been very bad, right? 
They still have a program running with the, with the World Economic Forum about being a testbed for the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, they still have cooperation on back-end uh, stuff, right? They pushed the vaccine equally hard. And in fact, there was actually a video that came out, check this out here the other day, from, uh, and it's not directly COVID-related, but it comes in the wake of having these like new types of identification, new type of digital, and in some cases even blockchain-based uh, payment systems and ID, face scan in order to like make processes uh, quicker and smoother. So it was a, a video here, a promotional video from Moscow's face pay system uh, that they tried to push and say, say it was very safe and convenient. Here's a promo video for that. Check this out here. This is like, uh, you, I, what I'm saying is I'd hope that Russia would be one of these countries then if they're fighting with the rest of the West to like oppose this surveillance grid grid uh, agenda 2030 great reset type of you know technology and bullshit but it doesn't seem like they're doing that it seems that they're just moving ahead at their own pace uh, on the same issues on their own accord here's the video Just stand here. We'll scan your face. Take down your face mask. Yeah, that's a good one right at the end there. You have to take the take down the COVID face diaper, and then you then we'll scan your face, and uh, you'll be let through. Payment instantly from your account. It's uh, very safe and effective. Uh, so unfortunately, that's uh, that's Moscow, right? I wish it was different. No. Uh, same thing with Ukraine. They're like spear. Like after the war, we'll rebuild everything into this new fourth industrial revolution style. Uh, you know, society. Uh, which sucks, right? Russia claimed the U.S. Agency of International Development, uh, U.S. Aid Emergency Response Measures to the Pandemic and the 2019 Coronavirus Simulation Exercise, called Event 201, bolster its argument that the U.S. intentionally created COVID-19. Characteristically, in 2019, before the first COVID-19 case appeared, the U.S. John Hopkins Institute hosted an exercise called Event 201, which practiced dealing with an epidemic of a previously unknown coronavirus, which, according to the legend of the exercise, was transmitted from bats to humans via an intermediate host, pigs. This is how the Spanish flu virus, which has killed tens of millions of people, became a pandemic or became pandemic. The implementation of the COVID-19 scenario and U.S. aid emergency wind-down of the PREDICT program in 2019 suggested the deliberate, the deliberate nature of the pandemic and U.S. involvement in its emergence. Additionally, Russia claimed it seized documents during its special military operation in Ukraine revealing U.S. aid contractor Labyrinth Ukraine was conducting biological weapons research in the country specifically related to coronavirus and, wait for it, monkeypox. That's right. Completely uh, a coincidence. Now, again, can you trust this? Is this wartime propaganda? Sure, anything is possible. But anyway, it's interesting to listen to it. Um, and remember, we had the case of uh, African swine flu breakouts in Russia all over the place. People were blaming them. This is, what, this is why people said partially the West have been so just 
kind of like insane in the amount of weapons and money and resources that that, that they've pushed on Ukraine in order to prevent this from falling into the Russians' hand, where they potentially could prove some of the what's at this point at least to suggest that a lot of the other Western nations have been using Ukraine kind of as a playground, right? When it comes to uh, laundering money, essentially. Uh, when there's aid and donations given, and it's uh, back in the pockets of the people that approved those very loans and and uh, you know gifts and aid. In some cases, it's these biological weapons programs that they've been you know t- tinkering with right, right on the border to Russia, right? So they cannot prevent this from happening. But some uh, of this territory now has been lost, and so at least Russia claims that they've gotten these documents and proven that they're doing this stuff. I Look, I wouldn't be surprised, but you can't take it as gospel either. That's the takeaway here. Interesting to listen to, nonetheless. During this special military operation, documents were seized indicating that U.S. aid and its main contractor, Labyrinth Ukraine, have been participating in the U.S. military bioweapons program since 2019, so not that long. Labyrinth Ukraine took part in UP9 and UP10 projects, which studied the spread of African swine fever in Ukraine and Eastern Europe. And that's right. And that's, as I said, was one of the problems that was hit um, by the Russian pork uh, industry as well, that the swine flu popped up in a lot of places and they would have to be culling it. And that was, uh, you know, they they were, uh, the Western side was like, oh, this is great. You know, let's hit their food supply. I would like to point out that as part of the U.S. Department of Defense Biological Threat Reduction Program, one of Labyrinth Global Health's research areas has been the study of coronaviruses and monkeypox virus. Not only that, Russia claimed Ukraine soldiers were involuntary subjects of that research, citing blood samples from captured soldiers revealing narcotic drugs and high concentrations of antibiotics that were found in their blood, as well as immunological markers indicative of exposure to the renal syndrome and West Nile pathogens. Bizarre. The Russian Minister of Defense previously laid out how the U.S. pharmaceutical companies were involved in this research as a way to circumvent U.S. safety and development standards and establish a significant competitive advantage. What was the Metabiota? was one of the kind of interlocking companies, right? Um, Given these disturbing factors, Russia concluded the COVID-19 pandemic allowed the Democratic Party to consolidate political control in the U.S., I guess because of the vote fraud and the mailing ballots as a consequence of COVID and stuff. I mean, even if that was the intention with it, that's how they definitely used it regardless. And it continues here, also says, and the pharmaceutical companies uh, managed to collect huge profits from their experimental vaccines. So is it any better in Russia, Sputnik? Uh, Thus, we see a clear trend. Infectious disease agents that reach the Pentagon's zone of interest are subsequently pandemic with the U.S. pharmaceutical companies and their patrons, the leaders of the U.S. Democratic Party, as the beneficiaries, Kirillov stated. This supports the overall thesis that the Democrats used COVID-19 to push universal mail-in ballots to steal the 2020 election, and that the Ukraine conflict is just not about the U.S. Eastern nation's sovereignty and relationship with NATO, but about the exposure of U.S. clandestine bioweapons research in other countries. And, of course, then the sad extension to that story is that uh, Donald Trump, the Republican, played ball and he went along with the vaccine program and he rolled that out and he's continued to push that as the means to, you know, uh, solve this this pandemic since then, uh, which, of course, kind of kind of really reveals that he's just part of the part of the ploy, part of the group. Right. 
All right. Well, and there was this one too. I didn't cover this yet, Matt. The U.S. University admits it may have brokered law, uh, broken law in contract with Wuhan Lab. I have to go through this later because we're kind of at the end of the end of the time here. Uh, last one is this one though, and I'll return to that to see because I th- personally I think the Wuhan thing is it might be a deflection, but it might also actually be where some of the research were were done. I think we're still talking about an international clique that were are responsible um, for the experimentation around this, and I think it's less t- less tied to uh, national interest of the various countries that seemingly are, you know, at if not direct war, information war with each other, uh, and I think it's benefited tons of different countries. In fact. I think we had uh, when we had Ron Ons on to talk about this, and of course it was an interesting thesis, right? But he talked about um, China that they had responded, you know, kind of in the correct way to the pandemic, and they had, had really harsh lockdowns, and that that kind of solved the issue and stuff. And of course, hindsight, we know that that didn't solve the issue, and it's come back again and again. And in fact, the Chinese authorities have been very willing to use this as a mean to basically control the population. And look, maybe that's in connection to the fact that the Evergrande uh, realty uh, crisis over there is is basically causing everything to fall apart. The economical system, there's protest over there, and maybe they're kind of using COVID as a way to like try to control and corral the population and keep. I, I don't know. That's just one way that potentially use it. But do you guys remember the clip I played in the very intro, the introduction, uh, little cut we had? Check out this. It's so insane now in China, and this is why, of course, they didn't like win in any regard by adopting these measures you know rather they they play along (laughs) they think like this is no it's great this is great if china had made a determination that no this is a u.s bioweapon let's not play along with it at least in the way they want to and let's take measures that doesn't in the in the wake of it could you know ruin our country economically right because all this kind of a spearheaded by the lockdowns the realist real estate crash have just really been exacerbated by this idea that they're going to solve the COVID pandemic by having lockdowns. But it's so insane now that they're testing the fish. Check out this clip again in case you missed it in the intro. This is absolutely crazy stuff here. And I don't think it's audio here. Footage has emerged on Chinese social media of fish being tested for COVID. (laughs) What is that? Is that a fish right there? That's a fish, right? So is this the fish markets? They're continuing testing fish at every, fish once they've been caught out of the sea. Is that what's happening? Yeah, so this comes in the wake of them having their zero COVID policy, which is just, I mean, it's just ruining everything over there. And like, well, oh, oh well, <laughs> super sad for them. But still, you know, it aims to suppress the spread of infection via lockdowns. Well, they're still doing that show over there. Mass testing and tough border controls. It says here in the Telegraph clip, wiping down everything, spraying lime on the runways uh, everywhere. Like the asphalt is being sprayed. It's, this is insane. And if it was just a U.S. bioweapon use as China, I, mean, I don't know. Is that why they're doing this then? It's, it's so, it is so severe. It's so bad long run that it's going to kill everybody. So that's why. I don't know. It's, it's very bizarre. I can't figure it out. Right. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Last one here we'll cover, and then we'll wrap up. More uh, transhumanist stuff. Good uh, good things here happening. A reversible form of death. Scientists revive cells in dead pig's organs. Oh, good. This should, this, this should be good. Researchers who previously revived some brain cells in dead pigs 
succeeded in repeating the process in more organs. Oh, good. So, so zombie, zombie pigs? Is that what's coming up here? The pigs have been lying dead in their lab for an hour. No blood was circulating in their bodies. Their hearts were still, their brain waves flat. Then a group of Yale scientists, thank you, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, for donating, pumped a custom-made solution, I guess it's some kind of chemical, into the dead pigs' bodies with a device similar to a heart-lung machine. What happened next adds question to what science considers the wall between life and death. Although the pigs were not considered conscious in any way, so zombies, uh... <laughs> their seemingly dead cells rev revived. Their hearts began to beat as the solution, which the scientists called Organ X, circulated in their veins and arteries. Cells in their organs, including the heart, liver, kidneys, and brain, were functioning again, and the animal never got stiff like a typical dead pig. Other pigs, dead for an hour, were treated with ECMO, a machine that pumped blood through their bodies. They became stiff, their organs swelled and became damaged, their blood vessels collapsed, and they had purple spots on their backs where blood pooled. The group reports its results Wednesday in Nature. The researchers say that their goals are to one day increase the supply of human organs for transplants or for transplant by allowing doctors to obtain viable organs long after death. And they say they hope their technology might also be used to prevent severe damage to hearts after a devastating heart attack or brains after major stroke. But the findings are just the first step, says Stephen Lathman, a bioethicist at Yale University, who worked closely with the group. The technology emphasized is very far away from use in humans. But anyway, there you go. Now, now you know what they're working on. Reviving dead pigs by pumping some kind of chemical solution into their veins, which apparently helps to awaken the organs? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think you should treat nature that way. <laughs> incredible, incredible. All right, boys and girls, we're going to wrap up right there. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the show. We're a bit late today, but uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, we're going to be back with more here soon. We have... Uh, Maybe tomorrow we might get uh, James Edwards on, if everything pans out the way it should, uh, to actually talk about the weaponization of the many of the U.S. Um, institutions and agencies like the IRS, but also, of course, how the FBI is being used now. Uh, so that's something that comes up so uh, or coming up, so heads up for that. And then we have some other short videos, too, that we're working on. Uh, in the meantime, if you want more, join us over at RedEyesMembers.com. And as I said, definitely check out the latest show. Very good show. One of our, I think, most important one that we've done in recent times. Uh, we really uh, fix and we solve the uh, discussion between, uh, you know, pagans and Christians uh, in this show here. Uh, religion first, Europeans first. Who built the West? Who built Western civilization? Right. Was it us? Was it uh, a religion? We'll, uh, we'll solve those questions for you uh, and we'll make peace in this one. So uh, check that out. Really good, really good uh, episode. Anyway, uh, another method you can use if you want to sign up, subscribeshow.com slash TV. And oh, that reminds me, I should pull in uh, our uh, beloved uh, executive producers here at the end of the show. And uh, I get a reminder of which uh, ones had joined the last here. Uh, let me see if we can get this going. Uh, in the meantime, of course, you can also use Entropy. While we wait that loading in there, uh, you can use entropystream.live slash TV. They have a month-to-month -month option if you want that. Ten bucks a month. Otherwise, you can do a one-time uh, payment. 
Uh, and again, over to our executive producers here. Uh, thank you, guys. We appreciate you. T. Lothrop, Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, and Red Pill Rundown. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you being executive producers. If you want to find out more about that, uh, check out subscribestar.com slash Red Ice. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Uh, so more uh, options or methods if you want to sign up. Uh, Cash App, that's open. That is working. We have an e-check option for those of you guys in the U.S. And we have uh, crypto available. Uh, and we do have a mailing address as well if you want to sign up that way. And uh, you can always send us an email, by the way, redeyes.protomail.com. Let us know that you've signed up, how you signed up, or what you used. Uh, and uh, let us know your username on redeyesmembers.com so we can link and activate your accounts. Thank you, guys. We're going to be back with more soon. Uh, we always appreciate you. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, we'll be back soon. Take care and uh, keep fighting. See you later. Do you love Red Ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews, and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.